Osiris. Hey everyone, it's Cam Hurt, host of the Best Show Ever podcast, and we have got a second season coming out very soon that I am very excited about. We've got some very cool special guests, including musical acts that we all love, like Karina Reichman, Daniel Donato, Jake Brownstein from Eggy, Rick and Peter from Goose, and many more. Tune in for new episodes dropping on Osiris Media March 5th on the Best Show Ever podcast. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Welcome back to We Move Through Stormy Weather, a fish podcast where we compare and contrast songs and the evolution of their jamming styles throughout the band's career. My name is Ryan Storm, and today I am joined by Karina Reichman. Karina is a bassist extraordinaire who has been a member of Marco Benevento's band since 2016, touring worldwide with him. Aside from her tours with Marco, Karina has performed on The Today Show and America's Got Talent, been a part of the Everyone Orchestra alongside members of the Disco Biscuits and more, and of course, her infamous soundcheck jam with Fish themselves on 1238 Karina has also formed her own band, releasing two singles in each of 2019 and 2020, respectively. Karina, say hi. Yo, Ryan, what is up? Thank you so much. That's a great intro. That was good. That Thank was you. good. Thank you. It's awesome to be here, dude. Thank you so much for having me. Well, th- thank you so much for being on today. I'm a huge fan, uh, and I'm so excited to uh, get to talk some fish with you. Dude, it's always a thrill to talk fish, and uh, I've listened to the podcast. You go deep. You go deeper than I go. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> he is on it. He's so on it. Oh, can Thank I curse you. on this? Is that, yes, you is... can. That's okay. Oh, fantastic. Great, great, All great, good. Great. <laughs> so, so how did you get into the band? I know you have quite a story. I, uh, yeah, in, in a very uh, unorthodox way, I would say, I, uh, I went to middle school, essentially, with, um, with Trey's older daughter, Eliza, and uh, had no idea that her dad was in a band, you know, it was kind of those years where Fish was disbanded, and it wasn't, you know, a thing, and I just didn't know about it, but then you know, here in Manhattan, like everybody, you know, people start to know each other. And like my very dear friend's younger sister was best friends with Bella Anastasia, the younger of the two daughters. And then my friend Isaac was friends with Bella as well. Like it was just kind of like a, you know, a, a, a school children thing, like being friends with the kids and whatnot. And then I got invited to see my first show which was the last night of the jones beach run in 2009 so had you heard had you heard any fish before that show only like just because they were like hey like you know come come to the show i was like oh i should bone up on this and i listened to studio chalk dust and studio bouncing around the room Oh, so you had no idea what was coming. No idea. Zero idea. I was like, oh, you know, yeah, that'll be fun. Like I had no, it wasn't like, it didn't grab me from those two studio recordings at all. Like up front, I'll be honest. I was like, what, what? Like, cool. But then that whole show was just a whirlwind in terms of like, you know, we entered the venue, like it it was crazy. I rode the tour bus home, like the tour bus dropped me off that night at my parents' apartment. That was just crazy. And, uh, but it wasn't until like, I believe the next week when I was taken to Bonnaroo 09 (laughs) with them, that it was like, I had a, you know, a musical 
and everything awakening where I was just like, this is, I will commit the rest of my life to being around this energy, whatever it is, you know, like, and at that point I was like, I'll, I'll be a janitor. I'll be a promoter. I'll be a ticket taker. I'll, you know, I played music at the time, but I, you know, it, it wasn't, uh, you know, I wasn't clear cut in terms of like that being the thing that I could make happen for myself. You know what I mean? But then lo and behold, uh, many, many, uh, years later, a hundred plus shows, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, you know, the deal, it just, uh, it grabbed me in ways that I could never fully explain. No kidding. So, so you were how old at your first show? I was 15 at my first show. I beat you by four years. Oh, look at you. <laughs> look at you. Listen, I, I will say that um, being taken to my first show by my dad is definitely less glamorous than being taken to my first show backstage with Trey's kids. Um, <laughs> no, but I'm sure your dad was throwing debt. So was your dad, your dad's a big fan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's I been seeing them since the early 90s. Um, That's amazing. And did he have a Grateful Dead like pre- history or was it just yes. fish from the jump okay, uh, okay. he so saw he heady. saw the dead starting in 87 i believe wow um, very heady very heady very yes we are we are Love pretty that. heady um and so so let's uh let's talk about what song you picked and we did we went a little uh bit of a different route than we do normally um we are um we're doing karini today um which i kept thinking about like karini karina just little rhyme thing um telling you telling you totally um, but instead of instead of picking our favorite jammy carinis uh the two of us picked um a version each that we have seen live um that had that we have a special connection to um so karina why don't you talk a little bit about uh the version that you picked certainly certainly and i think you know there's there are real merits to doing that ryan you and i you know we're on the the younger end of the spectrum you more than i but let's mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll let myself in with you you know it's important and it's like you know being being kind of you know cu- coming of age around this band if you will and it being such a huge part of our lives like yeah it's so cool to have these personal experiences and stories and whatnot and it's uh it's super cool and from the moment i heard this karini I've never been the same. So <laughs> this was, I was, uh, I was 16. And by this point, you know, if you track the chronology here from that, you know, Jones beach, my first show a year before through now, I'm now a sick freak for the band. Like I, all I want to do is listen to them. I'm playing the music. I'm, you know, playing, just learning all the, the tray parts, all the mic parts, doing everything I can. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. So me, and my three dear friends, we go to the Borgata. We are sharing a hotel room. We are 16 years old and we are hyped to see our favorite band in Atlantic City. And it's like, it's awesome. Just the best, just the best. And I'm, you know, I'm, I come from a, a rock and roll place, if you know what I mean. Like, I like, and even heavier, like, I was at that time really into metal, really into punk, like, really into like kind of harder tinged music if you will so Karini in terms of just the real kick it gets right off the bat and I had never heard it before this show I had no conception of what a Karini could be no idea so uh yeah I remember being there and just hearing those opening notes and being just completely blasted to bits well and this is and this and this is like a this is a heavy opening of Karini that's my first note here and Trey's uh tone in fall 2010 is just like dirty dirty totally agree that's actually that's my first note as well and uh it's funny to be like, you know, you picture yourself as the 16 year old kid that doesn't know what's happening at that moment and just being like, oh, no wonder I loved this so much. Like, what is even <laughs> happening here? It's so it's so good. And uh, a lot a lot happens in it, though. It's not a long Karini, but I still I you know, there are a lot of movements within it, I would definitely, definitely say. I and agree. then later on in the set, they played Karina like oh. not you know, and then that was, uh, I, so I, you know, my, my friend Isaac, who's still my best friend, my roommate, like whatever, we're at this show together and he is the fish nerd 
between the two of us who like really knows what's happening. So throughout all these shows, I'm with Isaac and I'm like, Isaac, what's happening? What is this? What's going on? He's like, this is Karini. It's your new favorite song. You're going to love it. The best version is blah, 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 like whatever. And, uh, and so later, I mean, this is fun, but like at set break, either that night or the night after or whatever, like, or maybe it was before the show or whatever, but we were in catering, me and my friends. And like, you know, it was like Karini, Karina. And I said to Trey, I was like, oh, you played Karini and Karina, like for me, right? He's like, that's right. And I was like, oh, cool. What? And he kind of like, I thought he was serious. I, I'll never know if he was serious or not. But uh, anyway. I, I, I'm just so blown away and so jealous of the way that you're just casually mentioning. Oh, yeah. I just like, you know, I said to Trey, like, oh, you played this song for me. Oh, dude. I mean, I'm telling I was shocked, too. The whole thing was just like a whirlwind of being uh, being this kid running around in this way, like in Atlantic City at 16, like with my best friend. So, so was uh, this was this your first show that you saw without um, Bella? And Eliza? Well, I think they were probably there. You see, like in those earlier days, they were they were less into it in the way like, you know, a lot of the time, like they would stay in the tour bus and like watch like X-Men or Doctor Who. And then I would be like, guys, I'm going to go see the show. Wait, and really? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like, and but now they would laugh because, and especially Bella. Bella now is like super, super deep and entrenched in the scene and the world and has, you know, a million fish friends and she's always on the floor and like takes it really seriously you know but back in the day it was kind of like I got really into it all of a sudden they were like oh wow she's really into this (laughs) (laughs) sometimes it just happens that way totally but me and my my core little it was it was like a four pack it was me Isaac Matt Josh and we would we would be at all the shows and just you know and Isaac was very good friends with Bella as well it was like very much a all in the family situation, you know? So that's really cool. Karini, yeah, it was super, and still is, still is, same same crew. We just, uh, we're deep. We love it. It's the best, the best thing. And um, it is. Yeah, man. So what about you? What do you got on your Karini? So, so the Karini I picked um, from my favorite fish tour of all time um, and uh, my favorite show that I have seen live, which is October 28th, 2018. Uh, that was a really special weekend for me um, because so it was, it was my first semester of university um, and I had a midterm on the Friday at like 7 p.m. So my parents oh. and I couldn't make the Friday show. Um, but as soon as my midterm ended, my dad drove uh, to university where I go to universities, but now we're outside of Toronto. Uh, so he drove, came and picked me up. Uh, we drove home. We were listening to the show. Uh, while we were driving and I just kept getting like more and more upset because they were just checking off all the songs that I haven't seen that I want to see like punch you in the eye gone Uh. Reba gone Mercury gone Uh. I was like I was like no Um, but so we get home they open the second set with a 20 minute tweezer I'm like okay I need to go to bed we have an early flight in the morning (laughs) so (laughs) We fly to Chicago in the morning when I listen to the rest of the previous night's show. Uh, we see the 27th. Uh, we see the 28th. And then we slept for like maybe four hours after the 28th show ended. Uh, caught a 6 a.m. flight back to Toronto. And I was at my afternoon 2.30 uh, p.m. class. So it was just yes, it was a crazy that weekend. that is how you do it. Yeah. And so oh, and my so parents amazing. and my that parents, so I had good. been like begging them. Uh, to take me to these shows uh, for like months before because they took my little brother to the Albany shows uh, a couple of weeks before, but I couldn't go because they were a Tuesday, Wednesday, and I had class and stuff. Um, and so just the Sunday before, um, I just get a text from my dad, and it's just a screenshot of our flights. And I was, Oh, my God. That it was is incredible. so good. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, my it, God. They, they revealed my first show uh, – tickets to me in a similar way where um it was probably a week and a half before my first show was six twenty four twelve, uh so it was father's day and um my mom had told me that she got my dad a ticket to that show for like for father's day and he was gonna go 
And I was like, great, like he's going to go see fish. I like we put the ticket in an envelope the night before, whatever. And then at breakfast the next morning, we opened the envelope and there are two tickets in there. And and I'm Ugh. like, why are there two tickets? And my mom's like, you're going with him. And I started freaking out like 11 and a half years yeah. old. Like I, I, I had been uh, into the band for like just short of a year at this point, um, listening to them like nonstop. And so it was just that was just really cool. But so this Carini, um, I think uh, going in is the second set opener from October 28th. And um, it was kind of I think everyone could feel that that was going to be the second set opener. They hadn't played it in the three night run yet. And just it was ripe for Carini. And I, I that was my prediction. And um, you can't re- it doesn't really come through on the recording as much. But the energy in the room during this jam was so cool. There was like a huge like glow stick snake that made its way around the entire arena during this jam. Wow. Which was really cool. Um, and we had great seats this night. We were um, front row of the 200s uh, about midway back. So we had a fantastic view of the stage. Um, and it was just, it was just so great. Wow. A great, like kind of a similar to yours, kind of like a little bit heavier, um, more of a like mellow darker groove um and then you know goes into the only really uh jammed out no quarter ever which is really cool very um, special that's yes. what you like to see and in this one especially as a keyboard player there's some fantastic page in this jam he's all over the roads in the Wurlitzer, which are my favorites Totally. You and me both. Absolutely. I made uh, I made some very nerdy notes up and down both of these guys with timestamps and all that stuff. And uh, I find I really I wrote at 555, no less um, <laughs> sparse atmospheric tray bringing a special sauce like there was really something yes. going on kind of at that point that then kind of morphs into a page led moment. You know, where like trays laying out, except for like some kind of feelers and like staccato lines going on. Yes, very and I much really page. find right. Yeah. There's a lot of page going on. Oh yeah, a lot of page. Oh, love it. Forget it. Forget it. Let's go. <laughs> so good. So good. And then that evolves kind of, I don't know, I find, I mean, it can happen in lots of different songs, but I find that in Carini's, oftentimes, like, I like the way they kind of can morph from who is leading to who isn't mm-hmm. and, like, who is kind of, like, the focal point and then people, like, the way that the rest of the guys kind of follow and, uh, and play around that person, I find yours is a really good example of that because Trey starts out leading the jam for sure. Like Trey definitely yes. comes in. It's it's more patient than my jam for sure. Like my jam just kind of <laughs> rips from the beginning, but Trey, uh, Trey comes in there. Well, and that's really also a reflection on the 
you know, the difference in the band, um, you know, in fall 2010 versus fall 2018. And these jams are actually almost eight years apart to the day. Um, but, um, you know, in fall 2010, it was still a lot more Trey ripping um, as opposed to fall 2018, where there's a lot more democratic jamming and a lot more, you know, Paige is leading a lot more jams and Mike is leading a lot more jams. Um, and that that's not a knock on fall 2010. I love fall 2010. It's just how the band has evolved over the past decade. Totally, which we're so lucky to be privy to and get to see the development and hear the development. And especially, I mean, that that's obviously right pre-Kasvoxed, like right, right there, right? So what a fun time to be fish, you know? Like you're kind of having... You know, I we've read those interviews where Trey said, like, you know, without Casvot Vox, like that was just like a new sort of almost creative renaissance for the band that like yeah. spurred a whole new era of them taking risks and doing like some of the craziest shit we've ever. I don't know. In my it's, it, at least in in our slash my lifetime of seeing the band, like that was in my eyes like a very pivotal moment to be those guys. So definitely. Right. And then like, there you go. You're in that, that your show's Illinois, correct? Like I was like really pre Cosmo. They're, they're doing really cool stuff. And that show is amazing. 10, 28, 18. Like mm-hmm. I listen to the whole, it's really fantastic. And this listen, is a show that opens with a 15 minute type two, everything's right with like a massive peak. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's hard to, it's hard to not have a fantastic show after that. Amen. No, they came, they came to get it. They came to represent it. So awesome. It's really, really cool. Whereas, and you know, back there, again, like you say, nothing against, you know, eight years ago that if you, if you really at like my, the, the show to me that stands out in my mind is one after the one that I mentioned, 12, 30, 10, which was the Zeppelin show. All the Zeppelin, like it was a special thing. Oh, and here's a good anecdote. I will tell you this, right? Yes. So me and my four friends, right? We're, I mean, three, we're four as a pack. Anyway, we're obsessed with figuring out the musical costume. Like, what's it going to be? What are they going to play? As everyone is always. Totally, totally. And like, you know, we're like, it's even more heightened because we're just a bunch of kids that's like, you know, has relatively recently fallen in love with this band and just Mm -hmm. like, we'll do anything. So as I said, you know, special situation. We're definitely running around backstage. We're definitely getting to the venue early and eating at catering. So like you're hearing stuff, you're around sound check, et cetera, et cetera. So throughout that weekend, <laughs> we're hearing Zeppelin teases like in sound check basically. And we're just like, Oh shit, it's going to be Zeppelin too. It's going to be Zeppelin. See, too. And, and you got, and that's the, that's the, that's the, um, the drawback of being young. <laughs> now now if 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 they start teasing something on the fall tour or in sound checks that's like immediate write-off <laughs> totally totally like no way and they're like, doing that <laughs> no way exactly but we were just like oh it's definitely it's got to be that you know and then every day we'd kind of come back and just be like oh my god they're playing a whole lot of love holy shit it's gonna happen it's gonna happen mm-hmm. and then we at one point we're in catering with Trey's wife, Sue, who's just the best and, you know, a, a, a dear friend and amazing human. And we're just like, Sue, it's going to be Zeppelin, right? She's like, Ooh, I can't tell you what it's going to be, but no, it's not going to be Zeppelin. We're just like, what are you even talking about? Like, what are you talking about? She's like, honestly, I don't even know if you guys like would know what they're going to do. And we're like, what do you mean? Like, what is this all? You know, our minds are blown, et cetera, et cetera. And she said to listen to the Wolfman's brother from whatever night that was, like mm. pre, pre-Halloween, for a clue. And I remember going back to the hotel room. What was the and clue? I, I have no idea. I still don't know. But if you go and listen this to it, maybe. The 29th or the 30th that Wolfman's was? That's a great question. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah, well, know. Let me look. Um, well, what? How did you guys react to all of those Zeppelin teases in the second set of the thirty? We we lost our minds. No, I'm not kidding. Like that was probably like if if I were to tell you like the single most memorable date in my brain to this day, other than when I sound checked with them because that's special. But uh, like twelve, I mean, sorry, ten thirty ten really rings kind of supreme in my like we lost it just but of course we were like wow okay it's really not zeppelin she was not lying 
like, what is it going to be, obviously, but like walking out of Boardwalk Hall that night, everybody was like high in a way I've never seen humans before. Like people were shrieking, Uh, just incomparable to anything, really. Like, and that's saying a lot because I've seen a lot of shows since then and, you know, have had extremely, you know, jubilative, blissful, insane experiences. But that Zeppelin show was was really reign supreme. And I loved Waiting for Columbus, don't get me wrong, but uh, but that Zeppelin show was a thousand percent my my favorite night of the run, I would yeah. say. Oh, for sure. And I mean, my favorite part of that whole thing is after they finish the whole tweezer Zeppelin nonsense, Trey's just like, happy Halloween. We'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, and it's just, our, they're like, ha, young. like, we fooled you <laughs> again. Every time. Yeah. And, and didn't they play ha 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 or am I tripping? I don't know. Like, there was I, some, I think they might have. That sounds right. Something like that. It was so funny. And then, of course, like, we're listening to this Wolfman's brother in the hotel room trying to decode what Sue <laughs> Anastasia was telling us. And we just have no idea what she's talking about. And she's, are we like, we're just like, she's fucking with us, right? Like, she's definitely probably um and then she was right I'll, I'll be a thousand percent honest i did not i was not familiar with uh with little feet beyond uh beyond like dixie chicken i had heard you know but uh definitely didn't know the full record and was ple- extremely pleasantly surprised and then in the years to come turned into a big old little feet fan so uh it all works out it definitely yeah. all works out amazing but Special time, definitely a special time. But the Karini, <laughs> that was also, I mean, like, just to hear, I don't know, because also Karini has a very Zeppelin-esque, if you ask me, mm-hmm. feel to it. That that riff is just, like, drenched in Jimmy Page sauce. So For I was sure. like, right? Like, it could easily be a, a B-side or, like, some unreleased thing that I've never heard. And I was like, I mean, not whoa. not with these lyrics, but. No, no. <laughs> just the riff. Just the riff. The riff. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Of course. Oh, man. And then I went back in time after I heard that first Karini and was like, oh, sometimes they say, uh, what is it? Naked dude. Sometimes they say piece of ass, whatever it is. Like, I don't know. I'm just like get obsessed with the the little variations and why and when. And, you know, sometimes they really do bizarre things with it. And I was just like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah, it's I cool. Like it's this. always it's always those those certain jams that have like like a sentimental uh, value or just like you know like a special place in your heart. Always, totally. You know, and it, whenever totally. you hear them, it's just like like the certain things that you associate. That's it's great. Like a lot of uh, a lot of the Super Bowl festival, which is what I was listening to in you know like grade five and six. Um, that oh, man. <laughs> like hearing all that stuff is just you know triggers it triggers like emotional memories and stuff um certainly so you mentioned it earlier and i mentioned it earlier and i'm pretty sure everyone uh who's listening will know about this but i want to hear about the sound check jam oh totally which no it problem. like i remember uh the first time i saw the video of that just like being so jealous of you and just oh <laughs> it's incredible so how did Thanks, that happen Ryan. I mean, holy shit. No, it is like, it really, you know, it's, I, I definitely get asked about it a lot and I, for good reason, because that really was the kind of the single most surreal thing that's ever happened to me. And there's, you know, I'm very blessed to say there have been many surreal moments in my life, but that one kind of takes the cake, you know? So, uh, yeah, that was, you know, like I said, it, it's kind of a surreal thing with Fish with me in general, because obviously, you know, I started seeing the band in this very weird uh, way in terms of just being like a family friend that got invited and then fell in love with the music and yeah. decided then and there that, you know, whatever I did in this lifetime would be something involving that feeling, whatever, whatever it would be. And then you know, cut to, uh, my, my last semester of, uh, NYU and I'm 22, it's 2016. I'm about to graduate. I'm like preparing my thesis defense and all this stuff. And I get a call to be Marco Benevento's bass player. Right. And that's like a huge honor. And it's even more so because it's Dave Drywitz, who is the bass player in Ween and J-Rad mm-hmm. and, uh, and Marco's band at that time. But at, you know, kind of the four years leading up to that moment, Ween was disbanded. 
And right. that's why Dave was touring really heavily in Marco's band and playing bass in his band, just, you know, slugging it out, road dog style. Um, but Ween was coming back and Dave being, you know, 50 years old, couldn't be <laughs> in J-Rad and Ween and Marco's band, who tours probably more than both of them. But, you know, mm. so he, he, you know, was a very you know, a guru to me and, uh, like a mentor and a dear friend and everything. And, uh, he said to Marco, he was like, Karina's the only one who can fill in for you when I'm on wean tour. And he was like, I mean, for me, for, you know, yeah, Karina's yeah. the only one who can fill in for me. You know what I'm trying to say anyway. Yes. And, and Marco was like, hell yeah, I love Karina. Let's do it. And then there I was like, you know, holy shit, huge. Like that was a huge deal and opportunity to me, et cetera. Learned 40 Marco Benevento songs and awesome. you know that that first little while i was just filling in but then i became like dave passed the torch to me so to speak kind yeah. of in uh in september of 2016 and that's then so was, cool like, You're full time. yeah well, I, i've listened to I've, I've listened to and and watched some of uh the stuff you do with marco live and like some of your like insane like fuzz bass solos and stuff totally. like that and it's 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 just so cool because like i can tell the three of you are always just having so much fun on stage um ridiculous and, and it's so evident and and it's cool because i think you you approach the bass in um in a very very cool way like like the fuzz bass solo just kind of sticks out to me as something that like i don't see very often i don't think and it just it's just totally. cool yeah, and I, I think that, like, you know, sometimes hey. play with a pick, sometimes you don't. It's just it's cool to listen to the, the, the different sounds that you get out of there and how it meshes really well with uh, Marco and blanking on the drummer's name. Oh, it's um, all good. There are many of them. There It used to be Andy, and now it's Dave Butler. And, got uh, it. Yeah, thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. No, it's, it's you know, and I swear this is relating to the fish sound check. I swear it's relating to the fish sound check. Oh, it's just fine. Like, Tangents are so allowed. Oh, great. Great. Perfect. Well, I'm just setting the stage for, for your listeners here. Good. <laughs> Where, like, you know, so, like, I've suddenly joined Marco Benevento's band, somebody I'm a huge fan of, you know, and somebody who, like, you know, alongside all this fish listening, among other things, like, I've been listening to Marco. I've been listening to the duo. I've been listening to like, you know, and I know about like the grab tour and, you know, all the right. playing he's done with Mike and with Trey and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway. So here I am fresh out of college and, you know, suddenly it just kind of revealed itself that this was going to be the direction my life takes, which was incredible and you couldn't have scripted it like that you know i thought i would be because i was working for a promoter at the time and i hmm. you know throughout college like had a salary and like was pretty well set in that respect and i just kind of figured like okay like you know i'll be a chick who works in the music business that's awesome too i would work for you know live nation or ticketmaster or Barry presents or whatever anyway didn't happen because of marco and yeah. dave's intervention which i'm so so thrilled about but through all that stuff is when i really met mike like as like a colleague or a peer or like whatever so i had this funny moment of like you know mike would come to our gigs like mike came mike and fishman came to a marco slash eric krasno band show in atlanta wow. in fall 2016 oh, and like, fish was there Yes, exactly. The night before, I want to say. And they came to our show and just, Did you get to see those had... fish shows? No, I was on tour. <laughs> but we were just passing through and they came on their night off. And Colonel Bruce was there too. It was like a crazy... Wow. I have a crazy photo of me, Mike Fishman, and Colonel Bruce outside Terminal West in Atlanta where we played. And, you know, it, we just... Mike and I really became pals, you know, in these years, basically. And, like, it was funny on the level of like, okay, I went from being like Trey's kid's friend to like kind of a peer or something. I don't know how to call it, but like of, of, of his and Mike's and whatnot. And, mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so, you know, Mike was always, we'd run into each other at festivals and obviously fish gigs cause whatever and blah, blah, blah. And he would come to Marco shows and when we'd play Vermont, he'd come or wherever. So 
now like you know i'm friendly with mike and he was always so like i don't want to use the word charitable but like he would just always just be like you know you got to come check out my new rig i have this new rig it's insane you're gonna love it. I can't wait to show you. And I'm like, uh, yeah, dude. I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to ask me twice. Like, you know, just whatever. And uh, that's a huge honor to check out what the hell he's got going on up there. Like, obviously. I mean, he's got menu, so much going on up there. Of course. Um, so, you know, my answer always was, hell yeah, you just named the time and place. Yeah. And what it ended up being after actually there was there was a possibility of it going down at albany in 2018 mm-hmm. but it did not <laughs> which was which was good because you know between you me and the wall if i'm gonna be a beggar or a chooser not a beggar here first you'd rather do it at msg <laughs> it's kind of cool to do it at msg i'm not yeah. gonna lie to you uh so so cut to that run you know and we had been texting and talking about it like just loosely over the past couple months of that year and whatnot but uh that run was crazy for me my band played a crazy sold out fish after show the night before and like after the 29th after no the 20 oh yes because the sound check was the 30th correct or okay thank god you know thank god you know (laughs) my job to know know these things (laughs) i know too i promise uh (laughs) But yes, on the 29th, we played a crazy, awesome, sold out, new blue after fish show. That was my first time doing something like that. Like, you know, I wasn't like in the after show uh, game back then, but now I am. Anyway, it's great. It was super great. So we played until, I don't know, three. I wasn't home till like four, et cetera. You can see where this is going. So my alarm was set on the 30th for 3 p.m. Right. And Mike texted me at 2 p.m. saying, can you be at the garden at three? And thank God I rolled over and checked my phone at 2.17 p.m. to see (laughs) that text message, because otherwise I would have totally slept up to the alarm and missed it. Have you ever gotten ready faster in your life? Never. And let me set the scene for you, Ryan. The, uh, <laughs> my, my apartment, which I told you, I, you know, I share with, uh, with Isaac, my dear longstanding fish buddy and mm-hmm. also friend of the Anastasios and whatnot. So like, you know, when fish comes to town for, for MSG, uh, or to MSG, shall I say, we like, it's like Guantanamo Bay up in here. Like we have a million bodies everywhere staying with us. So there's just like, three couches they're all occupied by people room with a blow-up mattress like it's like we host a lot of people because they're you know we live very close to the garden might i add that helps with the story we live like a good like 12 blocks away okay anyway so we're killing it with all like the hosting everybody came to my after show everybody's sleeping whatever but literally i have never gotten up faster but the one thing going through my head because i was like shit i have to shower i have to drink a shot of espresso i gotta be ready like this is crazy and at this point there's no i have no sense that i would jam with the whole band of course not i literally just think i'm gonna play some pedals with mike on stage at the world's most famous arena yeah so i'm bugging out i'm bugging out regardless uh no i've never gotten ready faster i it's a miracle i didn't have a heart attack really and (laughs) i i like ran into the shower like in and out, good to go. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, my hair's going to be wet for this. That's so ratchet. What am I going to do? <laughs> uh, I don't have time to blow dry it. Of course not. And then I just like creep into the kitchen where it's like, you know, it's like kitchen slash living room basically. And like, you know, my three friends are still asleep on the couch and I'm all dressed up and they're like, where are you going? And I'm like pouring myself a shot of espresso. I'm like, ah, I'll tell you later. I'll be right back. Yeah, like, you I'm can't trying- like... <laughs> I'm trying not to jinx it. Like, you know, I'm so like, whatever. And I remember like, I, I took the subway. I did. Cause I thought it would be faster than taking a cab. And I was just like, in my head, I was totally just like, wow. Like this is, this is a, this is crazy. Like I was like, this is a, a big like moment in your life, Karina, you better remember this. And of course it turned into an even bigger thing or whatever. So then I, I show up go to catering with Mike and his wife, Sue also, 
both both Trey and I love that there are multiple band wives named Sue (laughs) two two wives named Sue what are you gonna do um and they're both lovely and you know we're just chatting and catering having uh, yeah you know I've literally not eaten anything just two shots of espresso at this point it's a great way to go about it and Mm -hmm. um and then Mike's like all right you want to go check it out I'm like yes let's (laughs) go check it out so then it's me and then Mike and Mike his base tech so Lots of Sue's, lots of mics, and <laughs> I love we're just, it. you know, he puts the modulus on me, and he's like, and you know, just showing me this crazy array of of toys and what they do, and I'm just like, oh wow. And the thing that I've taken away, like among everything, but like one, you know, a big thing is that he can do so many things that he never does. He has the restraint of a god and i'm just like you like he was making like like just like i don't know arpeggiated bird calls that sound like they like eq'd like i can't even describe what the crazy awesome. shit he can has under his fingertips that he could we need, be doing we need the band to do updated rig rundown videos because the ones that are on youtube right now are from like 2012 and they're outdated oh. for all four of them <laughs> So outdated, so outdated. Oh my God. Well, he also, I don't know. I mean, I think I can, I'm sure he's going to do a rig rundown where he explains this, but he literally has a pedal that tracks his daughter, Tessa, in the arena. And so like he gives, he gives Tessa like a little like remote or like a little sensor or something like that. So that wherever she is in the arena, it'll tell him like stage left like dead center stage right whatever so he can wave to her when she hits the button that's awesome and that's so cool it's like the coolest thing ever right isn't that great um and then yeah we're just we're we're going through the pedals and i'm my mind is blown obviously and you know he has the stuff on the floor as well as the stuff on the the rack yeah right so we're kind of about to move to the rack but then like out of nowhere but it makes sense. It's about to sound check, whatever. Trey walks up and he's like, Karina? And I'm like, Trey. And he's like, What are you, what's going on? And I'm like, You know, uh, Mike invited me to check out his rig. And then he's like, Yes, I have been meaning to show her the rig for quite some time. <laughs> and Trey's like, Oh, that's awesome. And then he goes over to Mike's rack, you know, and I still have the modulus on me because it's all happening in hyperspeed in my brain my brain is just like completely destroyed at this point but like he goes over the rig at the rack sorry and like says hey you know zach bella's boyfriend of course and i'm like yeah of course he's like i got him this pedal for his birthday check this out and he like hits it with his hand and i have the the bass on me and it's like this sweet distortion fuzz like right up my alley basically like the stuff that you're saying that like is, with Marco, is my yeah. shit like yeah it's my shit so i'm like oh this is awesome and i start to riff around for like two seconds trey's eyes light up like a little kid like the way we I, all, yeah as we all can see that he do. is yeah <laughs> yeah and so he just like lights up and runs over to his guitar picks it up next thing i know fishman on like beat one is just like he appears right there yeah and i'm like oh shit and I set the key, like it was an A, I remember. And like, I'm just riffing around an A and they're following me. And then like, <laughs> and I was just like, holy shit, this is so crazy. And then the next thing you know, like, I don't know, 25 seconds later, you just hear Paige on the organ. Like he appeared out of nowhere. It was just like, I'm being descended upon by my favorite band at the world's oh. most famous arena. It was the most surreal, like, four minutes and 50 seconds of my life. Like it was so crazy. And and Mike was filming it. So like Mike is standing there filming on his phone, me filling his role in the band. (laughs) And my, anyway, you can only imagine my brain is split into a million directions. I still haven't recovered. (laughs) I I don't think you ever will. Like that's, that's something that you don't recover from. That's, that's, that's the pinnacle of everything right there. Like, right there and then i literally i was like okay like you know better let these guys sound check so i like give the bass back to mike and then i run over to trey's side of the stage give him a big hug and he just goes i've been meaning to do that with you forever and i'm just like 
<laughs> and I freak out like you know and then I, I I wave goodbye to everybody I walk off the stage and then I'm just like you know backstage at the garden and all the guys who do video that I'm friends with at this point or like just mm-hmm. the people who work behind the scenes there who I've seen obviously and gone to know through what 10 years of seeing the band at that point and they're all just like dude and I'm like dude yeah and then the next people are like dude and i'm like ah, what is happening and i'm just like on cloud nine i swear i'm walking into walls like i i literally walked into a telephone pole on my way home so, I, so what did what did you say when you walked back into your apartment was everyone still asleep uh well that's a great question ryan that was the best scene of all time was, was mike very promptly sent me the video which god bless him because i don't know how i would have like you know how do you even explain that before you have the video proof right nobody would have believed me it would have been a nightmare anyway thank god i have the video so i was walking down seventh avenue back to my apartment and like called my mom and was like ma i just sound checked with fish she's just like wait what and then i hear my dad in the background he's like she's like pa you want to call my father uh, karina just sound check the fish and you hear him go holy shit <laughs> anyway, and then i call my boyfriend i call like a few people when i'm walking like the 12 blocks back but then yeah i show up at my crib three friends are there and i say nothing and i just go guys guys look at this guys just just sit down and i turn on the tv and i like airplay the video to the flat screen in big which is obviously my first time seeing it in big too you know and they're like oh you know when i'm getting it queued up they're like not in i mean not not enthused but they just don't know what's happening obviously and then i play it and they're like oh oh my god uh uh uh, uh this just what like they're literally like everybody lost it and it was the craziest thing and then we had even more friends like coming to our house before the show you know so it was just like this long extended drawn out like guys i'm not going to say anything but just have a seat and i just kept replaying the video all night until we went to the fucking show and, then, and what a show that was what a show that was that 12 30 18 is one of my favorite fish shows of all time just oh my god so, so good. good ridiculous ridiculous like, no i mean that whole i think it's thing. i think it's the only show that uh i've done uh so far uh this will be episode 12 i think that's the only show where i've had uh where i've picked two jams from it uh so far i've done the, oh really uh, yeah the split open and melt um and oh. the uh week that's amazing both. those yeah. were am- that was an amazing show and that was my a hundred and first show i oh, believe and the 29th no, my, was your hundredth the 29th was my hundredth show yes oh. so like and you that's got a just like, you know I, exactly exactly and a karina it all it all ties back in there we go you know what i'm saying like and every time like you know and then a million people texted me and then that was another like trade did he was like yeah you know it's yeah you know, i again i never know if he's joking but like he says that they do that for me uh. <laughs> Or like That's that awesome. was the second time, second from 10, 29, 10, where you get a Karini and a Karina in the same set, at least when I've been there, you know, and uh, a million people texting me being like, it's for you, happy 100. I'm like, holy shit, what is happening? So in terms of like the fish gods or whatever you believe in, you know, everybody, you know, better than better than anybody, like, you know, people who are just like, if it wasn't for this, I would have never met my wife or like, if right. it wasn't for this jam, like this never would have happened in my life. Or like, I don't know, everybody has like some cosmic fish story that changed their life. Right. Well, yeah. Something about this band. Yeah. But we've like, got, we've got, you know, my dad, my brother and I are a fish cover band now because of this band. Like it's, that's it's amazing. Yeah. Exactly. Like all, like there's something about the intangible, weird glory of what these guys do mm-hmm. that and you know the fact that you know people are you go see this band you know audience and band alike kind of trying to see something they've never seen before and that'll never be repeated right and like yeah they try to create something that is once in a lifetime you know it's just like this lightning in a bottle thing that's so spectacular and like obviously has led to 
so many people trying to like, you know, it's like a deck of uh, Pokemon cards or whatever, a pack, you know, you never know yeah. what you're going to get. So it keeps you coming back and it keeps you hooked. And then, you know, you, next thing you know, you turn into, uh, you know, one of us who's obsessed. Like, And it's just... it's the best. And I, I was talking about this on the last episode um, where uh, they they had joked, I forget when, but I think Trey, oh, I think it was in one of his Sirius XM interviews, but Trey uh, joked about how they wanted to do like the Groundhog Day tour where every show is exactly the same and verbatim banter. And there would still be something new about it and it would still be an incredible experience to be at any one of those shows, even if it's a carbon copy of the last one. Because realistically, the the, the jams would be different. But if they do like the same sure. set list exactly. and the same banter, that would be hilarious. But you know, one night the tweezer might be ten minutes, one night the tweezer might be twenty. It just happens, and it's that, totally. that's that's the best thing. <laughs> Who's to uh, say? Exactly. Um, I I'm, I am curious. Um, did you did getting into fish? Um, because I'm assuming you weren't into the dead before you were introduced to fish. Um. But did, was there not, a time? Not the way I am now. Correct. Yeah. So w- was there a time uh, when you were younger where it was like, oh, like I should listen to the Grateful Dead too, or did it just kind of happen? It was basically it like the fish fascination. Definitely, like I mean, I knew about the Grateful Dead when I was like a young person getting into just like you know the music. I, I was a fiend for for music and rock and roll and just like you know all the the decades of glory that came before me, you know. And right. I was kind of like a savant trying to piece together as much of all that stuff as I could. Um, and like obviously, the, yeah, the iconography of the Dead. I knew what a steal your face was. I knew about the dancing bears and like people would tell me, oh, you got to listen to American Beauty. Like, that's a classic, classic record. And at the time, I listened to that. And I think it just, like, lacked, I want to say, like, the like I, at the time, I was really into, like, this, like, you know, music that was almost virtuosic or, you know what I mean? Like, those are beautiful American songs. But, like, it wasn't until, like, I heard Slipknot and, like, Estimated Profit and mm-hmm. a lot of the Blues for Allah stuff and like, uh, you know, let it grow, like all that stuff that really grabbed me. And that wasn't until like, you know, that summer 2009 was huge for me when I like really, really was digging into fish and whatnot. And then I started to kind of go beyond my kind of surface level knowledge of and appreciation of the dead and became way more entrenched in it in terms of like, loving it playing it and then next thing you know like me and all my friends like you know of course we're just a bunch of jammy kids playing yeah. uh you know uh saint stephen on a tuesday like doing yeah. it you know and Why then not? of course like got really into that and then the, i mean it was the allman brothers band for me that um i became sickly obsessed with when fish was not on tour because they played the beacon theater 10 nights in a row every right. you, you have the you have the new york advantage <laughs> I have a big time, big time. So Absolutely. I made it my business to be at every one of those shows, you know. That's uh, awesome. From the years 2010 through one, whenever it ended. 2014, 2014, yeah. Yeah, totally. So that was big. That was big. That's awesome. For for me, um, I, I was into the dead before Fish um, because, you know, when I was really, really little, my dad would play the dead more than he would play Fish around the house. So when I was like, you know, five or six years old, I was like the Europe 72 box set was like my favorite album. Um, I brought Sick. it, uh, on the, on the bus to day camp, we were supposed to bring our favorite CDs and I brought that, um, which Aww. was not what everyone else was listening to. Um, <laughs> and then, um, I kind of stopped listening to the dead a lot. Um, as I got older, I went through a very brief pop hits phase. It was like, maybe mm-hmm. a year and then uh fish rescued me from that um and then yeah I got, I got into fish uh when i was like just before my 11th birthday i think um and then you know i got back into the dead kind of slowly over the past few years um because th- there was a period like uh middle school and high school where i listened to nothing but fish like nothing else which was right kind of problematic um and you know like there there was a time where i would only listen like 
I think it was um, in grade 11 where I was basically listening to exclusively like uh, like a set of like 10 fish shows I had from like 2011 to 2016. And that was like it. That was all I would listen oh, to. Man. And so I've, I've, <laughs> that I've, was it. yeah, that over the last it. few years, I've gotten a lot better at, you know, expanding into other avenues and I've gotten a lot farther into the dead now and stuff, but it's, you know, fish will always be my, my one true love in music. It's, 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 I mean, it's a testament to the band, right? Like yeah. that's the, what other, I mean, I know people have their various tastes and I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have their fish, whatever it is, you know, but like right. this band, like we're saying, like they leave so much room for, you know, the, the audience's exploration into the folklore and the, you know, just like going so deep like you did as a middle and high schooler, like, like I have done as a high schooler too. And I've, you know, admittedly, like totally had tunnel vision for the band at certain moments of my life. But, you know, I also, I think I'm super eclectic in terms of like my taste and stuff and have continued that, but as are they, you know, right. Exactly. Listening to some of the stuff, listening to some of the stuff on like uh, the errant path or when Trey has done those DJ sets on uh, fish radio, it was just like, Huge. like I turned it on once and I think it was like, like Gucci Mane was playing and that was like Trey's pick. And I, and it's just, I was just so like, wait, sick. like what? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. Gucci Mane's on the, on, you know, yeah. on oh, fish like, radio, like no, it's, crazy. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, no. I love it. I'm a huge fan of all of that. You know, it's just feeds the glory and the breadth and the depth and the, you know, it's a band that's, you know, infinite in my eyes, you know, Absolutely. Like it's just, they, they have that thing. Well, and, and the fact and that, and the fact that they're able to innovate so successfully, so far into their career and constantly oh. reinvent themselves in the way they play music, because, you know, coming back in 2009, they could have just coasted on the old hits and played like you know played all the old hits and just done what everyone like you know knew from the 90s but they were like no like you know the whole point um is that they don't want to become a nostalgia act and i you know i don't think that's ever going to happen with them you know just because no and they have that that childlike creativity like we were talking about that just like they they're pusher pushing to keep innovating all the time which is why like it's such a again like your Karini pick is such a good one because you see that pre-Cosvote Vox thing like what talk about what you know you know you're not seeing the Eagles doing uh, a Cosvote Vox show you know what I'm trying to say right exactly yeah, I, I use this band? example a lot, like bands like the Rolling Stones or the Eagles, like they'll still write music now, but if they go on tour, you know, people aren't going to like, like get up and go hard on a song that they wrote two years ago. They're going to, you know, if the, you go see the Eagles, people are going to get up and go crazy for Hotel California. And for the song, like sure. some of the Castle Vax songs, like watching uh, the video of like, msg going absolutely crazy during say it to me santos like like what band gets that kind of reaction out of the crowd of a song they wrote 35 years into their career nobody unbelievable it's unbelievable and and the beauty of fish and the beauty of of you know i mean trey just as a human you know and like we say it's 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 so inspiring to me as a musician obviously all of them and all of them together but like Mm -hmm. trey and and mike you know in terms of just their they they are people who never will stop searching they live for the craft they're dedicated to the creative life and like the way they are is something that like i find like just even if I wasn't as into the band as I am or whatever, but like just that pure search for something mm-hmm. and like devotion to your, to your artistry and artistry as such, you know, is something that uh, I feel infinitely blessed to have been up close to in my lifetime, you no know? Kidding. And like, it's really something it really is. So it's not lost on me. And I, whatever I do in this lifetime with my music, uh, it it wouldn't be the way it is without these guys and what they've shown me personally and like on and off the stage, you know, and it's, it's an amazing thing. 
That is that is quite amazing, and I think that's that's the perfect place uh, to wrap up the episode. I think, uh, Karina, thank you so much uh, for coming on today and talking about Karini and Karina, the song, and uh, all your experiences with the band. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, so mutual. Seriously, what a delight. What a delight. Thank you for having me and letting me uh, ramble on, <laughs> if you will. My pleasure. So good. So much fun. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of We Move Through Stormy Weather. Hope you have a fantastic day, and we'll see you next time. Hi, this is Henry Kay, host of the number one music history podcast, Rootsland. Come with me on a journey to Kingston, Jamaica, where we explore the world of reggae music and the untold stories of some of the genre's greatest legends. From the ghettos and tenement yards where the music was born to the island's iconic recording studios. We are so excited to team up with Osiris Media, the leading storyteller in music. Because as you'll hear, sometimes the story is the best song. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.